0: This podcast is the first of what I'm calling the Here and Now podcast in my Psychology Concepts Explained channel. And this is based on student feedback that they would like to hear me talk about current events. I offered that up as an option, and many said yes, and how the current events might relate to psychological principles we're studying throughout the course in either intro to psychology or lifespan psychology or apply to other courses and fields in psychology. Okay, current events. Today is April 17th. It's a Friday, the year 2020. And you know, whenever you're hearing this, we're going through the COVID-19 coronavirus crisis or pandemic. I am located in North Texas as I'm recording this in my in our uh, small class b rv parked in the driveway (laughs) it's my recording studio and that's why you're going to hear cars uh, in the background okay no no, we're not moving okay i'm just parked in the driveway so anyway um yeah we're in a crazy time right now and i don't want to i find myself rambling on and on so this version will be relatively hopefully more focused okay now at this point in, in because I'm talking about COVID-19 it doesn't make me a COVID-19 expert what I want to relate to are some things we're hearing in the news and how that might relate to research methods for example and, and some of the things you've been reading about in your textbook might you might see it reflected in the news for example uh, we're hearing a lot about testing vaccines or possible treatments or using existing medicines that were used for other things and testing it to see if it works on patients who have the virus now we're told that we have to wait for something called a randomized control trial right to test these medicines or vaccines so what does that really mean well what we already have out there is what's called anecdotal data right an anecdote is a is just a particular instance that just happened once or twice or a few times outside of natural controlled experiments or research so people trying it on their own or a small group of doctors trying it on a small group of patients right that's what we call anecdotal data all right. So it's kind of like you hearing that a group of people in your neighborhood took something and it seemed to help. Now, would you trust that? Would you trust anecdotal data? Why can't we just run with it and start prescribing it for lots of people uh, if it worked on, say, five or ten people? Well, the reason is because every legal Food and Drug Administration approved medication, over-the-counter prescription, they've been through these randomized control trials for number one, for safety, and number two, for effectiveness, right? And in most drug trials, a drug is compared to either what's called a placebo, which is a fake pill made to look like a real pill, and they're made of things like sugar that actually have no taste and you can't tell, but it's not supposed to have an effect. And why do these controlled drug trials have to use this kind of comparison group? Wouldn't you want to compare one group who take the treatment and another group that doesn't take the treatment? Wouldn't that make sense? No, because placebos are used because a a certain percentage in that group who believe they're taking the real thing, this is what's called a blind study, Right, that is the subjects or volunteers in the study are gonna be randomly assigned either the treatment medication or the placebo pill, but they don't know which one they're taking. That doesn't sound ethical, right? Well, it's ethical because patients who are participating in these trials read everything. It's called an informed consent. So they're informed ahead of time what their experiment is about. You have a 50-50 chance of getting the real medicine experimental medicine or a fake medicine called a, a placebo pill. So people know in advance they're signing up for this study. So anyone who signs up for a drug research study, they notice ahead of time unless they're participating in some unethical research. So this is this is by law. You have to do this. Okay. And so the reason, again, we're using placebos is because a subset of people in many experiments over time have found that in this whenever placebo is used, some people will get better or have the effect of the medicine, the expected effect of the medicine, just by taking a fake medicine. And researchers even to this day don't know exactly why that is. If it's an antidepressant study in a certain percentage of the placebo group ends up being less depressed by taking a fake pill, how does that happen, right? Somehow there's something going on in the mind where they think they're taking a treatment. So maybe the thought or the belief of having a treatment makes them more energetic, makes them more optimistic. Who knows, right? It's kind of a mystery. So if a drug, a real drug that's being tested is not more effective than a fake drug, then that drug will fail. Even though that drug might be more effective than nothing. Okay? It has to be statistically significantly better than a placebo. So what we're waiting for, all of us, is for an experimental vaccine. First of all, it's shown to be safe compared to a placebo. So people can be, I'm guessing here, injected with something that doesn't contain anything that's safe to inject and looks like something. Uh, or they may be tested against, an, a lot of treatments are tested against existing common treatments to see if a new treatment is effective, and then also compared to a placebo. Now, there are some circumstances where using a placebo is unethical if we're talking about a life-saving medication. That's why these vaccines are going to be tested on healthy people to begin with. You could make the case that Well someone has a chance of dying Let's just give them this experimental drug That is already legally available For other purposes And if the government allows The physicians to prescribe that Then yes they can try that That is ethical to do Right And that Those kinds of uh, Anecdotal types of research That you're not going to have a placebo group You're just going to have a drug group and a no drug group, right? And well, if people of a similar age group, if you know that within a hospital, half of them are taking the experimental pill or or let's say a pill that was used for something else and another group did not take it, right? And you compare the cure rates, recovery rates rather, or unfortunately the mortality rates, is there a significant difference between the two, right? even then you cannot really conclude that the drug was effective you know why because this was not a controlled experiment in a controlled experiment you would flip a coin create two random groups one group is given the medication the other group is not or given a placebo and then you compare them because then you have two fairly equally distributed groups because you just happen to give a group of people medicine and you happen to not give another group of people some treatment or medicine, and then that group that took it did well and the other group didn't do well. Well, how do you know that those are two equal groups to begin with? Maybe one group had less pre-existing conditions than the other, maybe there were differences in age or other health-related factors, right? There, there are almost too many, there's no control in that experiment, but when you take a group of people, flip a coin, create two groups, that's what's called experimental control. You create a treatment group and you create a control group used for comparisons. Who either take nothing or take a placebo pill, right? And so that's what we have to wait for because if these controlled, randomized control trials show that something is effective and safe, right, and the differences are statistically very clearly different and significant then we know that this will be safer for the larger population and we talked about in in a different actual lecture podcast about samples and representative samples right so we know that these government experiments or hospital experiments or CDC experiments have to have a representative sample of people of different age groups different races different sexes okay for it to be considered usable for the general population if you only use a subset group of people by age by sex by ethnicity or racial background and say okay we're ready this this will work on everybody then then that's not that's not good research okay so again not trying to come across as some sort of covid 19 specialist but research methods are research methods across different disciplines right so this is likely what you're going to hear so when you hear randomized control trials that's what they're going to have to set up in randomized control trials um, if they use them on people already tested positive then chances are they're going to use them on people that are probably healthy rather than in dire straits Um, because then you're reaching ethical problems of withholding medicine from people who are very very ill medicine that might have some promise based on some other kind of anecdotal data okay so under ideal circumstances you want to use treatments that have been tested in this kind of controlled environment okay not something where a very small sample size group of people happen to try and, or 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 maybe one influential person who has a large social media following saying hey I did this for myself You all should do it Well, you don't know If it's not harmful to try it Then maybe it's a breathing technique Whatever, maybe right? But I would not trust A layperson who's non-medical With non-medical training Who is just uh, Giving their individual Experience Of what they did to overcome something And then take that advice To do it Um, So this is part of critical thinking. This is part of thinking like a psychologist, um, knowing what the data is being used for, how it's collected, what kind of studies to trust, what kind of examples of research not to trust as much. Okay. Anyway, so I I didn't want to turn into a huge long lecture podcast, but this is just um, the first example of a here and now podcast where I talk about current events and how it might relate to psychology. So I hope you find that useful or interesting either way and this is Dr. C and I'll talk to you later. Hey there, thanks for listening to this podcast today. Can you do me a big favor um, just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field uh, go to apple Podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief uh, review okay and you can also contact me directly using the links in the description whether it's twitter or email with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better and uh, if there are any topics you want me to talk about i can add them and if you want to support me by buying me a coffee the methods are listed in the description as well. Again, thanks and have a great day.